Today's Bible studies, like I said last week, we're going to be dealing with covenant. We're going to be talking about covenant. And we prayed on Tuesday about covenant, and I believe we had a basic understanding from the exhortation that I gave on Tuesday about covenant. And today I just wanted to take a little bit step, a little step further to explain certain things about covenant so we can understand how covenants work and how covenants uh, were done in the Bible. But before then, let me just define what is a covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two parties make, a binding, make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. They are often accompanied by oaths, signs, or ceremonies. They are often accompanied by oaths, signs, or ceremonies. Take, care, take note of that last part. And there are certain facts you must know about covenant. Number one, covenants are legal grounds for God or Satan. Covenants are legal grounds for God or Satan to operate. In other words, if God is going to operate somewhere, he operates by covenant. If Satan operates somewhere, he operates by covenant. Number two, covenants can be conditional or unconditional. Covenants can be conditional or unconditional. For example, when somebody makes a covenant and say, if, like the Bible, Jesus, uh, God often says in the Bible, if you will obey all these laws that I give you today, then these blessings will come upon you. Like, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, what we often call, I shall be the head and not the tail, you know, I shall be above and not beneath, we often quote the promises, but we don't remember the conditions that was given for those promises to be fulfilled. It was a covenant. And God said, if you will diligently hearken to all the conditions, the the, the, the instructions that I give you today, then these blessings will come upon you. So the blessings were not just released without a condition. They were released conditionally. So if you want those blessings to fall, to manifest in your life, you have to also follow the conditions that were stipulated for that blessing. So covenants can be conditional or unconditional. Number three, Covenants can be temporary or permanent. Covenants can be temporary or permanent. For example, if I make a covenant with God and say, when I'm 30 years old, let this happen to me. It means after 30 years old, that covenant expires. That covenant is no longer because the covenant was set to a certain duration. The covenant was set to a certain duration. Number four, you cannot enter a new covenant when the old covenant is still valid. You cannot enter a new covenant when the old covenant is still valid. Now, this point is very, very important. I'm going to explain. On Tuesday, I said to you that I've often wondered as a pastor, why is it that some people are sincere, they are devoted, they are committed, they are passionate about God, they love God, they do everything that God requires but they still experience unexplainable tragedies and sorrows, misfortune, and bad luck. Sometimes you, you see the things that are happening to them as Christians, 
those things don't even happen to non-Christians. And you're asking yourself, are the prayers they are praying not enough? Is the fasting they're fasting not enough? Is the giving they're giving not enough? You find out that everything they do, they do a struggle. Nothing comes easy. Everything is a battle. Every day there's misfortune. All kinds of sorrowful things happening in the family. Even though these people are Christians. And I realize that you cannot fully enter a new covenant when the old covenant is still active. Take, for example, your father or your grandfather entered into a new and old covenant, a a demonic covenant, with a deity in your village shrine. Maybe he was fighting a piece of land with a neighboring village. And he went to a deity, went to a shrine, a native doctor, and said to the native doctor, if you give me victory over this enemy that is trying to claim this piece of land from me, I will give you all my daughters. I will give you all my daughters. So this deity gives victory to your grandfather, and he obtains that land. And now, by covenant, he has given all his daughters and granddaughters to that shrine and then you wonder why you are you are born again you are faithful to the lord but no husband seems to come because spiritually speaking you've already entered a covenant in the spirit and so that covenant begins to repel the men or repel the people that are coming towards your way for marriage or sometimes you may even try to get into a new marriage but you find out that the relationship don't stand they are always broken the men come, they go away because there is a covenant in the spirit that needs to be broken. Deliverance ministry plays a very important role in church. Deliverance ministry because even though we are born again, we came to the law with baggages. We came to the law with issues. I often, I, I always explain this using John 11. When Jesus Christ called Lazarus out of the grave, he said, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says Lazarus came forth, but he was tied. His feet, his body, his eyes were bound, the Bible says, with a grave cloth. And Jesus Christ says, lose him and let him go. This is the picture of salvation. When Lazarus came out from the grave, he was alive, but he was tied. And Jesus instructed people to lose him. Sometimes when we are called to salvation, when we, are, when we become born again, we are alive in Christ, but yet we are tied, tied by curses, tied by covenants, tied by demonic pronouncement, tied by occultic forces. And then Jesus has instructed his ministers who preach the gospel to lose people so they can go and serve him. So you may be born again, but still under a demonic covenant. You may be a child of God, but still influenced by a satanic covenant established by your ancestors. That is why you need to understand that you cannot enter a new covenant when the old one is still active. So now, the Bible says we have a covenant with Jesus Christ that is found on better promises. You're born again, but you cannot fully enter the promises of the Lord because there was a promise that was made by your ancestors that is now affecting you. Number four, even God honors covenants, whether demonic or not demonic. Even God honors covenants. You remember when I read, I told you on Tuesday that when the people of Israel were about to get into the promised land, when the people of Israel were about to get into the promised land, the Lord said to them, 
do not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going in to possess, or else it becomes a snare to you and your people. Because God knew if you enter into a covenant with these people, there is no way I can validate that covenant because covenants are legally binding, like I said. I told you another example of how these people heard about the fame of the Israelites. They heard how the Israelites were destroying every nation that was in their way. And they were afraid of being destroyed. So they disguised themselves and acted as if they came from a far nation. Came to Joshua and said, Joshua, we have heard about your fame and how God has given you victory over your enemies. And we've come to build an alliance with you so that we do, we do, we do not have any issues or troubles in the future. And Joshua was like, where do, you, where do you come from? They said, we live from a far land. We came from a distant land. And Joshua established a covenant of peace, swearing before the Lord that he would never attack them as long as they live. Few days after, Joshua found out that the people who came to make a covenant with him lived in the very land that God had instructed them to possess. But because Joshua entered a covenant with these people, he could not touch them. So the Israelites were able to drive every nation out of this land except those who made a covenant with them. So even though the covenant was made out of deception, God had to honor that covenant. So if you come to Christ, you want to serve Christ, but there's still an old covenant that you made or your ancestors made. God honors covenants, whether demonic or satanic. It is only when you become conscious of that covenant, renounce that covenant, nullify the covenant, then God is now invited to make a new covenant or to step into your life and do what it has to do because covenants are legally binding. Number six, a covenant or covenants are the foundation for the dealings of God with man. <clears throat> covenants are the foundation of God's dealing with man. As we're going to see in the Bible, anytime God dealt with a man in the Bible, he dealt with him out of covenant. That is why it said, until you have an understanding of the things we do as Christians, you'll be functioning as a religious person. That is why certain things we preach or teach don't make sense to people because covenants are, are practices that we, the practices we, the things we do or we practice are made out of a covenant relationship. So if you are observing those practices out of religion or out of legalism, you, you will do all those things and you don't see yourself being blessed, you don't see the prophet because you are doing them out of legalism. Number seven, covenants are enforced by altars. Covenants are enforced by altars. What does that mean? The same thing that was done to establish that covenant that same thing has to continually be done in order to keep that covenant alive. So if it was prayer that established that covenant, prayer has to be continually made. That is why uh, if an, a covenant was established by maybe planting a tree, that tree has to keep growing for that covenant to stay alive. If that tree is cut down, then the covenant is broken. So whatever was done 
to establish a covenant has to stay in place for that covenant to remain, remain active. Now let's go into the Bibles and see there are several covenants in the Bible, but five covenants are crucial for the understanding, for understanding the story of the Bible and God's redemptive plan. We have the first is the Mosaic covenant, the Mosaic covenant from Genesis chapter nine. This is a covenant God established with, sorry, the Noahic, not the Mosaic, the Noahic covenant. This is the covenant God established with Noah after the flood in which he resets and renews the blessings of creation, reaffirming God's image in humanity and the work of dominion. This covenant promises the preservation of humanity and provides for the restraint of human evil and violence. And God sees this covenant with a rainbow. He said, as this rainbow appears in the sky, it will be a remembrance, a memorial of the covenant I've made today that I will never destroy the world again with flood. Number two is the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. You see in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis 15, this is the most central covenant in the Bible. It is, it is when God promised Abraham a land. His descendants a blessing. He promised Abraham a land. He promised his descendants a blessing. This blessing pronounced to Abraham will extend through him to all the people of the earth. Understanding the Abrahamic covenant is paramount to understanding the theological concept like the promised land, election, the people of God, inheritance, and so on. It provides context for understanding practices like circumcision, conflicts with surrounding nations, and divisions between Jews and the Gentiles. Number three, is the Mosaic Covenant. You can see this in Exodus chapter 9 and Exodus 24. This is the covenant God established with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai after he led them out of Egypt from slavery. With it, God supplies the law that is meant to govern and shape the people of Israel in the promised land. This law was not meant, was not, was not a means of salvation but would distinguish the people of God from the surrounding nation. It will make them a kingdom of priests, God's special possession. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 7. This covenant was conditional and defined by blessings and curses based on obedience or disobedience. You can see Deuteronomy chapter 28 that I just mentioned above when it says these blessings will come upon you if you will do this. Then it says these curses also. So there were curses associated to disobedience and there were blessings associated to obedience. Understanding the Mosaic Covenant is foundational to understanding the cycles of blessings and curses in the Old Testament, the exiles of Israel and Judah, the disputes between Jesus and the Pharisees and Paul's pastoral teachings about law and grace. Number four is the Davidic Covenant. We can see this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is the covenant where God promises a descendant of David to reign on the throne over the people of God. It is a continuation of the earlier covenant in that God promise, promises a Davidic king as a figure through whom God will secure the promised land, his descendants, and the blessing he had promised to Abraham. 
This covenant becomes the basis of hope for a Messiah and makes sense of the gospel concerning Jesus Christ who will show up as the fulfillment of that Davidic uh, king that will sit on the throne of David forever. I said this to you on Tuesday that Solomon was Solomon did so many things in the eyes of the Lord that were evil. Number one, he married multiple women that way he was not supposed to marry. God had instructed the Israelites not to intermarry with any other nation. But Solomon had 700 wives of royal birth, meaning that Solomon did not marry any local girl. Solomon went to like, let's say Solomon lived in the United States. He married the daughter of Mexico, the Mexican president's daughter. He married the Canadian president's daughter. He married the every nation surrounding Israel. Solomon had a wife from all those kings and those countries, which was against God's law. But God could not remove Solomon from the throne because of the covenant he made with David. That's what I said. Even God honors covenant, and covenants are legally binding. And number five, which is very glorious, is the new covenant. The new covenant. The new covenant was, first of all, uh, prophesied by Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31 from verse 31 to 34 and then in Luke chapter 24 22 verse 14 to 23 this is the this language it was first used by Jeremiah like I said when he promised the rescue and renewal of the exiled people of God in Babylon it promises a coming day when God will make a new covenant unlike the old one which Israel has broken this coming day will bring forgiveness of sin, eternal renewal of the heart, and intimate knowledge of God. On the night Jesus, uh, Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, Jesus took the cup and declared, this is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood. So the, the, the Lord's Supper, when Jesus Christ gave the Lord's Supper, it was a fulfillment of the prophecies that was made that a new covenant would be made where people's hearts will be changed. There will be forgiveness of sins, you know, and all these blessings that we enjoy today. And let's go now to some practical things that will help us discuss some things that relate to our life. We're going to talk about ceremonies that establish how covenants are made. Ceremonies that establish how covenants are made. Number one, we have covenant promises. This is done when the parties establishing the covenant make promises to each other, like during wedding. This is why people go into wedding and they make promises without, without even understanding what they're saying. When we say to somebody on the altar, till death do us part, that is not a temporal covenant. That is a, that is a long-lasting and permanent covenant. You do not say, till death do us part, if you don't cheat on me. Till death do us part, if you don't do this. No, you said, I'm going to live with you till death do us part. So that is why divorce was never God's will, because God's covenant for marriage was permanent. It wasn't temporal. So when we promises to people, we bring ourselves under covenant. And then sometimes you want to back out of that relationship, but never forget that you 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 are Establish that covenant that binded you in that relationship. Then we also have 
covenants that we made out of promises. Like ancestors make promises to neighboring villages or sometimes families who make covenants to other families. There are families who say, well, uh, if you give me this piece, of, this piece of land, when your daughter, my daughter grows up, she will marry your son. And then your grandfather took that land and eventually died. And then the, daughters, the daughter grew up, did not know about the covenant, walked away to town and got married to somebody else. And then the marriage does not stand. She gets married to the second person, the marriage does not stand. She gets married to the third person, the marriage does not stand. Not knowing that there was a covenant that was established. The grandfather made a promise and swore, made an oath to the neighboring village or the friend about that daughter. And now you're experiencing difficulties in your marriage, not knowing that there was a promise that was made on your behalf. Number two is blood sacrifice. This is where an animal is slaughtered and the blood is spilled as a seal of the covenant. This is usually done like in our, most of our villages when an animal is slaughtered, they dig a hole. For example, when they have like rituals, they want to perform, they cut the neck of the animal, they spill the blood, and when they're spilling the blood, they make pronouncements, they say all kinds of things, and then they spill the blood to the ground. Even people that do human sacrifices, they spill the blood of people also as a covenant. But it is interesting to know that Jesus Christ spilled his own blood in order to establish the covenant that we have today with God. That is a blood sacrifice. A blood sacrifice. Then the third is what they call blood path. Blood path. And blood path is where two animals are sacrificed. Two animals, I mean an animal is killed, cut into two, and then the animals are put apart. They maybe the 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 head of the animal and the other parts are put on two sides, and then the both parties walk in between. As they walk in between, they make uh, maybe a covenant. For example, maybe if I bought a land from you and we have to make a covenant, I say, okay, as I walk in between these animals with their blood, the day you ever try to take this land back from me, may you become like these animals. They walk in between and they say those things, and then after they say those things, they leave it there for animals to come and eat the, 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 the leftovers. That is what they call a blood path. Then the fourth way to make covenant, the fourth way in which covenants are established, is through oaths that contains blessings and curses. Just like we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 28, when the Lord says, if you will hearken to my voice and do all the things I command you today, then these blessings will come upon you. You shall be the head and not the tail. You shall go out, whatever you touch shall prosper. The Lord shall bless your basket. The Lord shall bless you in the city. The Lord shall bless you in the country. And all these blessings, you shall not miscarry. None shall be barren in the land. All those blessings are a result of the instructions, of obeying the instructions that God gave. But God also said, if you will not hearken to the instructions that I give you today, then the, the sky before you will be like brass, and the soil beneath your feet shall be like iron. You will labor in vain. You will sow and not reap. You will build houses and not live in it. These were cases that associated disobedience. So these were, these were covenants that were made by oaths through blessings and, 
and cases. And so sometimes you have even people that enter into this uh, kind of covenant. For example, if I ever do this, may I die? Some people say that. Or people often say, over my dead body. If that thing surely happens, you surely die because you said over your dead body. So we make pronouncements without really understanding what we are saying. And number five, number five is what I call the mingling of blood. The mingling of blood. This is where two parties come together. Like I explained on Tuesday, two young teenagers are in love. And, and when they are in love, they think that, oh, this, this is the only man that God has created, or this is the only woman God has created. And so all they are seeing is that man. They are not seeing that maybe tomorrow after they finish high school, things will change. Or maybe this boy will travel abroad. They, don't, they are not seeing the future. So what do you do? They cut their fingers, they mix the blood, and they lick the blood and say, I will, I will live, I will marry only you, I will live only for you forever. That is mingling of blood. Sometimes people come into covenant by the exchange or the mingling of blood. Sometimes they may not necessarily uh, lick the blood. Sometimes they cut their fingers and make their blood drop on the ground. And they mix the blood. Then the earth becomes a witness to that blood that has mingled. And whatever they said or whatever they established that there's a covenant is binding, even in the spirit. And then number six is change of names. Change of names. This is done in cases where people exchange their names or one person accepts the name of the other. Like in marriage, that is why when a woman gets married, she starts to bear the name of the husband. It's a sign of a covenant. So many people think, I'm just accepting my husband's name so we can belong to one family. No. You accepted your husband's name because you entered into a covenant with that man. Somebody will be asking, why is it that the husband did not also take my name? No, your husband is the head of the family as instructed by God. So you have to take his name also as a sign of submission. Also as a sign of submission. So it's a covenant symbol. If you're bearing your husband's name, it's a covenant symbol that you've entered into a covenant of marriage with this man. So people enter into covenants by accepting or exchanging names. Then number seven is exchange of gifts. In the Bible, when people entered into covenant, they will exchange properties. They will exchange their left shoes and say, you've sold me this land. This shoe will testify that you gave me this land. And the day you step into this land or sell this land to somebody else, may it not go well with you. And so they will exchange property, sometimes their belts, sometimes weapons, as a, as, a, as a sign of ratifying that covenant. And then number eight is covenant meals. In this case, the two parties eat a meal as a means of establishing the covenant. This is seen like when you have traditional weddings. The meals they eat during traditional weddings are not just to entertain people. They are covenant meals. They are covenant meals. Or like when sometimes you see in, in, in movies where the father of the bride takes collar and give it to the lady and say, go give to your husband. And once you eat that collar, you think you just ate the collar. No, it was, a, it was a covenant meal. So sometimes people eat things. And that is what people are initiated through food. I told you on Tuesday that, I don't know when I said this to you, that until you drink the blood or eat the meal of a secret court, you are not their member. 
they will often give you something to drink or something to eat until you eat that thing or drink from that cup. You are not part of them. But from the moment you eat or drink whatever they give you, you've entered into a covenant. And that's what some people, even as children of God, are still possessed or oppressed by the enemy because before they came to know the law, they entered into demonic covenants. They drank from places they should not drink. They ate from places they should not eat. That is why sometimes it is demonic or very terrible when we are Christians and we are going to all these traditions that contain demonic activities to eat from those places, drink from those places. We entangle ourselves again into demonic covenants that Jesus has redeemed us from. We should be careful with the places we eat. That's the reason why Daniel refused to eat the food that was sacrificed, that was presented at the, on the king's table. Even though the food was, was, was so good, it contained all kinds of things that anybody could desire, Daniel refused to eat because the food was sacrificed to idols. So be careful with the things you eat. Be careful with the things you drink. Sometimes you go to traditional meetings, like those of us who belong to all kinds of cultural groups. They are carrying uh, wine from some calabash. You don't know where it came from. They, they are sharing your drink. Or they share some kind of secret chicken. You don't know who cooked the chicken you eat. Before you know it, you start seeing yourself in a dream fighting with animals, running from masqueraders, because you entangle yourself into a covenant by eating or drinking something you should not have partaken of. Number nine is witness, sign, or memorial. This is very important. Covenants that are established through witnesses, signs, or memorial. In this case, a third person stands as a witness to ratify the covenant. So they'll bring a third person and say, this person is a witness. That's why when we are getting married, they ask for witnesses. The witnesses are there as covenant, as, as, as covenant symbols. They are there to ratify the covenant. That's why no marriage certificate is not, is not is established without a witness because a witness establishes the covenant. Or sometimes it's a sign like this is very prominent in Africa. This is why you see sometimes in certain villages in Africa, there are trees that nobody is allowed to cut down because those trees were covenant signs. When, when the forefathers, maybe they were going to war or were going to make certain uh, covenants with, with an enemy or covenants with the devil, they planted a baobab tree and said, as we plant this tree and as this tree continues to grow, May this happen in this view. All those pronouncements. And that tree continues to grow. And nobody dares to cut that tree. And that is why sometimes when deliverance has to take place, we have to go to some places and cut down trees because those trees are symbols of demonic covenants. Or sometimes there will be a house. You often hear a, a man wants to die and tell the family, never sell this house, regardless of the condition, regardless of how things become difficult. Never sell this house because that land, was that house was a symbol of a covenant. That house was built as a symbol of a covenant. Or sometimes it would be a, a monument. If you read the Bible, anytime people made a covenant in the Bible, like when Jacob left the house of his father-in-law, Laban, he was running away when his father-in-law caught up with him. And his father-in-law said to him, what evil have you done to me? What did I do to merit this this evil that you've done to me. You took away my daughters and my grandchildren. 
without even giving me the privilege to kiss them goodbye. And after they had discussed and settled their, their, their grievances, Jacob mounted a pile of stones and said, let this be a memorial between me and you, that you, if you ever cross these stones and come to my side to look for me, may he not go away with you. So that, that pile of stones was a symbol, was a symbol of the covenant that Jacob made that day with Laban. It became a memorial. This is what preachers often call when they say, go and build an altar. You often hear this language so, so often in the, in, the, in the preaching. When the preachers say, go and build an altar, what they're trying to do is go and establish a memorial. Go and do something as a sign that will remind God of the covenant you have made. Let me, let me just expand on this one, how people can make covenant through signs or memorial. A brother wants to open a business, start a business, and he wants to go into a covenant with God. And he says, God, I want you to bless my business. So what does the brother do? The brother sees that in the church where he fellowships, there are no drums, there are no, there's no music. So what does he do? He takes money, he buys all the musical instruments of the church, and the brother goes into a three-day fasting. And in that fasting, he's praying, saying, Oh God, as I give these instruments to this church, as they, this church, as people rejoice, as people dance over these instruments or dance through these instruments, remember me and my business. He goes and drops the instruments in the church. Maybe the pastor doesn't even know what he prayed. The pastor says, oh, brother, God bless you. Let's pray for our brother, God bless him. But guess what? Any day they are playing that instrument, it's a reminder to God of the prayer that that brother played. It's a reminder to God. So this is how we, we, we establish covenants with God. This is how we build altars. I told you also about a family from one of our villages. For so those of you from Cameroon, you know the village in, a, in Norway is called Tabiken. There was a man who came with his family. And it is reported one of their, their daughters was a member of our church. And she said none of her siblings are doing well. It doesn't matter how they had they try. One of their brothers who, who was a PhD in engineering, was operating a local restaurant. Things are hard for everybody. When, I, when they came to church, I taught them about covenant and all these things. And after they heard, they said, Pastor, what do we do? At that time, we were building the church. And so the family decided that they were going to buy a trip of sand and they were going to cement the whole floor of the church. So on that day, when they came, we had builders, the builders came. We actually prayed a prayer and then they cemented the floor of that church. And guess what? It wasn't too long. Things began to change for that family. Why? Because they did something memorial, as a memorial before God, that whatever used to affect my father, whatever my father did, we have canceled it. And this we have done today as a memorial that whatever my father did has been canceled. And now we are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. So there are multiple ways in which people can make covenants. Also, when we were building the church, there are some people who came and said, Pastor, I want, to, I want to erect a pillar of this church by myself. So they brought bags of cement. They actually brought their builders, and the builders established a pillar in that church. And they prayed the prince, Father, as this pillar stands in this church, and as so people continue to worship in this church, remember me and my family. 
Let my business stand. Let my children stand. That is, that is a memorial covenant. So that pillar in that trust becomes a memorial of the prayers they have prayed. So this is what is important to understand how to enter into covenant through signs and memorial. Now just to answer this before we go, how does the new covenant that we have in Christ affect the demonic covenants that I've made? Because somebody may be asking, Pastor Ben, I'm born again, I have a covenant with Jesus Christ. How are you talking again about an old covenant that my grandfather made or my forefathers made? How does my new covenant in Christ relates to the covenant that was made by my forefathers. Let me explain this to you in a few words. If you have a man who has 40 acres of land, and you go to go buy that land, that 40 acres has a land title, a general land title, but you want to buy just 500 square meters from that man who has the 40 acres land title, there is something you still have to do. Even though the land, the 40 acres have a land title, you still have to go to the, 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 the government, maybe to the land and survey or to urban development, and then they will use the general land title to establish your own small land title for the 500 square meters that you bought from the man who had the land title with, four, with 40 acres. This is what happens in Christ. Christ has obtained for us, like I said, for example, the 40 acres land title. But we have a portion in that 40 acres. So what we do is try to establish now a, 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 a land title inside the global land title that was already established. So when Christ died for us, he established a covenant. And so we now, coming from our old backgrounds, our old thing. We can use the covenant that Christ made for us to establish our own covenant now in the body of Christ. And I say this because even though you bought a land that had a land title, if you don't go to the government to establish your own land title within that 40 hectares of land, it is a possibility that somebody can fight you and drive you out of that land and even win you in court, even though you bought the land. That is why you have people in Christ who are under this general covenant but because they have not established their covenant within the covenant that Christ has made, they find it difficult to enjoy the benefits and the promises that Christ has to them because they have things that are fighting the portion, fighting their inheritance in Christ. This is what we need to understand, covenants, so that you are not in Christ and you are suffering from things that you don't understand. So just to close, like I said on Tuesday, if you sense that you are under any kind of demonic covenant, I would like you to pray the prayers we prayed on Tuesday. And after you finish praying that prayer, I want you to do what we have studied today. You do something as a memorial. You do something symbolic before God that will always remind God, even though God does not forget. It, it, sometimes it reminds you because there are people who pray today and they forget that they pray. For example, we just prayed about covenant. You believe the covenant is broken. Then by the time you listen to another preacher talking about the same covenant, you start praying the same prayer again. But once you make that, that symbolic activity, that symbolic offering, it reminds you that I entered into a covenant with God concerning this issue 
It is done. It is broken. I have a covenant with Jesus Christ now that is found on better promises. So if you follow this instruction, it is easy to be free to break any demonic covenant. It doesn't matter how that covenant is strong. If you understand this, you can come out from any nasty demonic covenant that was made by your ancestors. There are people that have covenants of untimely death. People don't live above 50 in your family. People don't get married. People don't prosper. People don't build houses. People don't give birth to children. There are all these demonic covenants in families. If you understand this, you can come out from that covenant. I'm going to end here for today for the sake of time. And hopefully, if anybody has any question, we'll be able to answer and help you if you have any issues relating covenant. Father, we just want to thank you today. We give you praise and glory. We magnify your name, Yahweh. We give you praise. Let the word we have heard today be seen in our heart. Give us understanding so that we are able to apply this word and put to practice all that you've taught us. Take all the glory and the praise. Take all the honor in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.